Last Monday, I sat down and had my whole sermon all written up, which doesn't happen very often. And uh, on Tuesday, I felt like the Lord had me go back and reread 1 Peter. And as I was reading it, I felt like the Lord just pointed some things out to me that I think are very real and very pertinent and actually are what the Lord is really wanting to say this morning. I want to read something to you. You're used to getting a fantastic worship service and a, and a reasonable message and some humor along the way, but this morning I'm going to ask you if you have a Bible, if you have a Bible app, if you have something to write with, I'm going to ask you to take some notes because I believe God's got a word for us this morning. I'm going to read part of 1 Peter to you in the New Living Translation. Now this, you might say, well, Pastor, we've gone all through all this, and we have. In 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Peter says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Because we have been born again, we live with great expectation. The words are not going to be the same as they're on the, on the screen. That's NIV. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. We have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, rich beyond the reach of change and decay. There is an inheritance for each one of us that is greater than any amount of decay or sickness or illness or tragedy that could come on this earth. There is an inheritance for us. There is a rich inheritance for us. There is something to look forward for us. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is already to be revealed on the last day. It's already, it's ready to be revealed on that last day for us to see. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure trials for a little while. Peter says, you're gonna endure trials. We're going to endure hardship. We're going to endure tragedy. While we're on this earth, we're going to endure tragedy. I know that flies in the face of some preaching that says everything's going to be lovely and wonderful and peaceful if you just accept Jesus. And there is that hope that we have in Christ. And there is a peace that we can have. And there is a joy that we can have. But regardless of that peace and that joy, we have tragedy that you and I are at times going to have to endure. That's part of living in a fallen world. That's part of living in a fallen world. He goes on in verse 7. He said, these trials will show you will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through the trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Who is Peter talking to? Peter's talking to, to, to the church. He's talking to, to the children of Israel who are outcasts. They're, 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 they're foreigners. They're, they're outcasts from where they're, they're at. They're not in their own homeland. They have rulers and governors and leaders over them that are, that are not kind to them. They are in a... In a he, he goes on and he says, to God's elect 
exiles. They're exiles in, in 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 1. To God's elect, they're exiles. They're scattered throughout the provinces of Pont- Pontius and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with the blood, grace and peace to you in abundance. He said, I know that you're not at home. I know that you're not in your own homeland. I know that there are are evil forces above you. I know that you're under rulers that are not favorable to you. I know all that. And yet in the midst of that, doesn't that sound like our world today? Doesn't it sound like our world today? That we're not exactly living in, the, in, the, in butterflies and unicorns. This is not the kingdom of heaven, right? right? The kingdom of God, the Bible says, is not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that it's living in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Now, we can walk in his peace, in his joy, but that is not from our physical surroundings. It's not from everything that happens to us. It's what happens in us. It's about the life that we have in Christ. That's where we get our hope. That's where we get our peace. And Peter says, you're in the midst of all of these trials. And in the midst of that, your faith is going to be tested. What's going to happen to us? What are we going to be able to grab a hold of? Are we going to be able to walk through this? Are we going to be able to stand through it? Are we going to be able to breathe through it? How many of us have ever faced a trial that's so crushing you're just not sure if you can get the next breath? These trials show that your faith is genuine. We read through the book of Revelation last year. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 says, they triumphed over him. Who's they? They is the church. Who is him? Him is the devil. They triumphed over him, the church. Believers have triumphed over the devil. How? By the blood of the Lamb, the fact that Jesus Christ purchased our salvation by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. When they were persecuted, when they were, when they were tried, when they were pushed, when they were squeezed, when, when every amount of weight came down on them, the Bible says that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the work that Jesus had done, and by the word of their testimony. You see, it's not about, we get this wrong. We just, we get this wrong. We get this wrong. Please hear me. We get this wrong. We think that overcoming the devil means that we're never going to have some kind of tragedy or some kind of difficulty or some kind of struggle uh, uh, come to us and that we're never going to lose. We're going to lose a battle or two on occasion. But you know what? We overcome at the end. We overcome the enemy by the blood of Jesus. You're not going to, you're not going to, we're not, if we're still alive before Jesus comes, none of us is going to beat death, right? Death comes to everyone, right? right? The Bible says because of sin in the world, death comes to every man. Every one of us is going to face death. We can't beat that, but we can overcome it. Get it. Get it in your head. I want you to hear me. You say, well, you just told me I can't beat it. You can't beat it, but you can overcome it. How? Because it's not the kingdom of this earth. It's not my flesh and blood. It's the power of the Lamb. It's the blood of the Lamb that overcame. It's the word of my testimony. It's the fact that I believe in who God is. I believe in who Jesus is. The word of my testimony speaks life, and we can overcome that death. We can overcome that destruction by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We get that? 
This physical body is subject to death. How that comes, how that happens is going to vary for all of us. It's subject to that. But John, Jesus spoke through John. And he said, they overcame them, overcame, overcame. It's not that there wasn't a fight, not that we didn't get beat up. But this world is not our home. In the book of Peter, when we've been reading, Peter talks about submitting to government authorities and submitting to employers, or he was actually talking to slaves submitting to their owners. Peter then turns his attention to marriage and submission of the wife to the husband and husbands likewise, love your wives. We're going to talk about that maybe next week, I don't know. But here Peter's talking to exiles who have absolutely no standing. They serve someone who doesn't care. They, they serve, they're serving a, a government that just, they don't, they don't care about them. They're slaves. And he instructs Peter to pen these words. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, it says, For it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, get this, the righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God, he was put to death in the body and made alive in the spirit. Here's a principle. You see, Jesus didn't avoid death. He overcame it. He didn't avoid death. He overcame death. And you and I can overcome. We can't avoid some of these things, but we can overcome. And here's a principle, a pattern that Christ established. The righteous for the unrighteous. The righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus was righteous. He laid down his life for the unrighteous. He's been talking all through the book of Peter. He's saying if you have an unrighteous government, you righteous people walk in that righteousness and let that put them to shame. Slaves, you might be righteous. Your slave owner may be unrighteous. You walk in that righteousness and let that put the slave owner, the unrighteous, to shame. Wives, you walk in righteousness. If you have a husband who doesn't know the Lord, you continue to walk in that and let that be the thing that brings him into the kingdom. Children of God, you and I, we walk in righteousness sometimes you know, we all just say, well, we just want it fair. We just want it fair. There is no fair, okay? Get that. We're not walking in a world that's fair. We're walking in a world that's fallen. But as we walk in righteousness, it becomes a testimony of the living God. You say, well, I don't understand that, Pastor. How come things have to get bad so that God gets the credit for it? We get it all mixed up. I'm going to explain that in just a minute. This pattern is established here. Jesus went through this for us. If we back up, that was in that was in 1 Peter chapter 3, back up to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. It says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his steps. Sometimes we have to suffer for the gospel. Are we able to walk in his steps? What does that mean for us? 
What does that mean for us? He says, the righteous give their lives for the unrighteous. And Jesus said, and I want you, there's a pattern for you in your life. I want you to walk in those steps. You see, sometimes we're so overwhelmed by the world. We're so overwhelmed by the situation. We get under, and, and, and I, I believe as followers of Christ, we don't have to get under all of that stuff. That load is there, but don't give up. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus in the middle of it. Don't give up. Don't let depression, don't let anxiety, don't let fear, don't let that run you into the ground. Hang on to Jesus. Yeah, we're going to walk through some struggles. What does James say? James says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of, any, of many kinds. This is an encouragement. James says, we live in this world. It's a fallen world, and there's struggles, and you know there's struggles, and I know there's struggles. Consider it joy when they come to you, and how many of us want to do that? None of us. That's not our nature. Our nature is not, woohoo! There's a struggle on the horizon. None of us want to do that. But James is saying, grab a hold of that thing like a long lost friend because what it's doing is it's testing your, your, your faith. You're actually going to see what you've got. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. James says if you grab a hold of it when these tests and when these trials come, you may not win that one, but you can overcome it. You can't avoid it, but you can overcome it. You can't avoid it. We can't avoid these things. Grab a hold of them. You can't avoid them, but we can overcome them. How? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Right? So much so that they didn't even love their lives to the point of death. There are people that are going to be persecuted for their faith to the point of death. And, and James says, and Peter says, grab a hold of that thing. Don't love your life so much. Hang on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You cannot avoid these struggles, but we can overcome them. Please hear me. Please hear me. Struggles are going to come. If any of you lacks wisdom, he's talking in the very context of a struggle. He's talking in the very context of our faith being tested. If any of you lacks wisdom, God, I'm dealing with this thing and my faith is being tested. Well, how, what do I do? What way do I go? Where do I turn? Where do I go? What's going to help? Where's the help at? So many times that's not what we do. Right? So many times we want to run. So many times we don't want to deal with it. We, we want to try and bury it. We, we talk about celebrate recovery, hurts, habits, and hangups. There's, there's a hurt down there that we've never dealt with the hurt. Deal with the hurt. Deal with that thing that's inside of you that's causing so much pain. Get it out. Find someone we can confess to. The Bible says if you confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. Not for confess your faults that you might be forgiven. Confess the faults that you might be healed. God wants to set us free from that so that we don't do something on the backside that is not what he would have us to do. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, go to God and he'll give it to you generously. Without finding fault, it will be given to you. But when you ask, you have to believe and not doubt. The one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Listen, we have to go before the Father. God, I'm in the midst of this struggle. I'm in the midst of this, this problem. I can't find my way out. I need to hear from you. Do we get to that point? We need to get to that point where all we're hanging on to is Jesus. I just heard a speaker this week say sometimes God puts us in a box, puts us in an empty room and there's not even a chair and there's not a book and there's not a nightstand and there's not a table, there's nothing but us in that empty room to see if we can pass the test that Jesus is really enough. Is he really enough? Is he really enough? Are we willing to go to that level where he's really enough? First Peter does the setup. So he starts, he ends, he concludes in, in chapter 3. Chapter 3 says it's this righteous for the unrighteous. And he, we jump back to chapter 2, and in chapter 2 he, he says that these are the steps to follow in these steps. And the setup to that follow in these steps, First Peter chapter 2, verse 19 says, For it is commendable if some bear up under the pain of the unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing what's wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. It sounds, it sounds twisted and it sounds kind of out there and it doesn't really make any sense. But if we'll, if we'll follow it to the end, if you'll understand that as we, as we proclaim our life for Christ, as we stand up and say, I want to follow after Jesus we say, I trust him with all there is. I believe in him. When you go through a test and you're still standing on the other side, people look at it and they go, I'm, I, how did you ever survive that? And there's two words that answer that question and it's only Jesus. Only Jesus. And when people recognize in you that it was only Jesus, it is commendable and it's, it brings glory to God because others look and they say, it really was only God that could have done that in them. That's part of that testimony. Understand how this works. Understand how this works. Don't give up in the midst of a struggle. Where there's going to be tests, there's going to be trials. It comes our way, it does. We can't avoid that, but we can overcome that. Each one of us can overcome that. Don't crumble as the world crumbles around us. I'm going to go back and read again what I started with. First Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, can never spoil, can never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you 
who through faith are shielded. You through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of that salvation is ready to be revealed at the last time. In all of this, greatly rejoice, though for now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds. I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago. This is the same Peter writing this that was crucified. Upside down, church tradition has it. He does not feel worthy to suffer the same death of his Lord. So when he found out he was going to be crucified, he said he wanted to be crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy. That's more than a little trial. But the hope of his salvation lay on the other side of that. Do we get that? The hope of our salvation, the redemption is on the other side of it. He goes on and he says, though you have not seen him, speaking of Christ, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls, salvation of our mind, our will and emotion. Our spirit saved the moment we accept Jesus Christ and now we've got to renew our mind. We've got to get that fresh. And he said, when you stay in Christ through all of this, when you stay in Christ, your soul is being renewed. You're going to win that. You're going to get that reward even now. It's God's heart. It's God's desire that you and I would hang on through the battle. We hang on through the battle. We're going to take some hits. Hang on through that battle. There is a righteousness that paid for the unrighteous. Those are the steps of Jesus and we need to walk in them. We will walk in them. I want to read you a text this morning. Many of you know Lowell and Vivian Hunt. Lowell and Vivian were part of the church for a number of years. Lowell is still part of our men's group. He sent me this text this week. And I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it so you know where they're at, so you know where she's at. Good morning, Pastor. I want to update you on Vivian. After a week of testing and discussion, hospice has stepped in. They determined that surgery was not an option, too risky on a 92-year-old woman. They found a growth in Vivian's abdomen. There is a new chemo treatment that will shrink the tumor and it can be done in the clinic level, maybe even at a nursing home level. But it's this way. You're very nauseous after the treatment and before the nauseous gets over, you have to have another treatment, so life is miserable. So they are moving her to Sunnyside Care Center near Audubon today. And we'll see how it goes from there. This is the part I wanted to get to. She's in good spirits and telling everyone about Jesus. She's calling this her short-term missions trip. (laughs) Do you get it? We can't avoid death, but we can overcome it. Right? We can overcome it. Her appetite came back. She continues to pray. Keep on praying for healing until the Lord says, come home, my child. You get it? That's her words. Keep praying for healing until Jesus tells me to come home. 
She's not afraid of death. You can't avoid it, but she can overcome it. She can overcome it. We can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So I send this text, he sends, he concludes. I send this text with a heavy heart. Tears running down my cheeks as I watch my wife of 73 years taking a final walk, but at the same time praising the Lord. She is on the path that we all want to take. It's the path to heaven to be with her Jesus. Thank you so much, Pastor, for your wonderful family and your wonderful congregation and for praying for my beautiful Vivian. It's where we get it right. When we understand the spiritual context of all this, there's life on the other side. There's hope on the other side. Every struggle that we face, every anxiety, every fear, every depression, everything that we face, there's hope on the other side in Christ. In Christ, but only in Christ. It's only in Christ. We live in a fallen world. It's only in Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has missed the mark. Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. That's why death is in the world. That's why we have that struggle. That's what opened the door. Sin is what opened the door to, to cancer and to depression and to anxiety and to fear and to all that garbage that's out there. Sin has opened the door to that. And we have never lived in a world without sin. We can't even imagine what that looks like. But I'm telling you, there's victory on the other side. There's hope on the other side. When Jesus comes back, there's going to be eternal life. It's going to be the, the, the result. We're, we're headed towards the result of our salvation. We're looking forward to that day, to that in, eternal inheritance that we have in Christ. There is a hope that we can have. Amen? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, verse 16. It's, it's kind of become my, one of my favorite passages of Scripture over the last several years. The most commonly known passage of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that's all great. I love that passage. But I love the next passage. I love the next portion of it. John 3, 17 and 18. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We were already on a sinking ship. You were born into sin. This world's never not seen sin. Your world's never not seen sin. My world has never not seen sin. It's not about God sending people to hell, sending good people to hell, or bad people to hell, or hurting people to hell. He said, you're already on a boat to hell. I'm going to send Jesus down as a lifeline. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to give you life. He came to give you hope. He came as a life jacket, as a life preserver. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they haven't believed in the name of God's one and only son. We're already on that boat that's going down. Reach out and grab a hold of Jesus. Reach out and grab a hold of Jesus. You're still going to have struggles. Grab a hold of Jesus. 
You may end up facing despair and and death and all that stuff on this side. But hang on to Jesus because there's eternal life on the other side. Amen? There's eternal life and it's open for any one of us. It's open for every one of us. Maybe you say to yourself, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to, how to get there, Pastor. I don't know how to get there. I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you want to know. Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 10, if you declare with your mouth. How did they overcome him? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their mouth. Here he says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Some people say, well, saved from myself, saved from pain, saved from... No, no, no. no. We'll be saved from God's wrath. That's what we'll be saved from. That wrath that was created for the devil and his cohorts. Unfortunately, if you don't accept Jesus, you're one of those cohorts. You kind of bought in. Here he says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You and I have that opportunity today. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I'm telling you, there is a day when death is coming for all of us. You can't avoid it. But we can overcome it. We can overcome it. We can overcome it. We can step right into that newness of life. You can enjoy some of that peace today. You can enjoy some of that hope today. You can enjoy some of that life today. But there is a new day coming when it's all going to be brand new. We're not even going to recognize where we are. If you get to know Jesus now, you may recognize his voice when you get there, but you're not going to recognize the rest of it because we've never seen a world like that. Right? That day is coming. That day is coming. If you've not accepted Jesus, I'm going to ask you today, do it, do it, accept him today. Ask him for his love. Ask him to come into your heart. Let him know how much you recognize your own sin. And here's the deal. Don't do it because the preacher was amped up. Don't do it because people were clapping. Don't do it. We need to come to that point because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life. If you're sitting there right now, and you can't take it anymore. That means God's knocking on your door. And he wants, he's knocking, he's literally he's waiting for you to ask him to come in. There's a newness of life for you. There is a hope. There is a hope beyond what we see in this world. Amen? Amen. God, I thank you for each person here today. I thank you for the newness of life that we have in Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, that we... All we got to do is reach out. All we got to do is reach out and take it. And you're right there. You're right there. You're right there. Your word says that anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. Man, woman, child. Doesn't make any difference. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We confess it with our We believe it in our heart and we confess it with our mouth. We ask you to move among us here today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.